Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, this is, this is very uh, surreal. And it was, it's been a week of last ones, uh, last rehearsal, last song, last chorus, last instrumental, last everything. But this, this truly is the last one. It's, uh, it's weird. Um, I uh, would be a turd if I didn't start this off by acknowledging the man who, uh, who's poured into my life these last 14 years, who has made me the leader and the man that I am today. I'm, those of you that know me know that I'm not an easy person to lead, and um, it would only be done by a man like Pastor Stephen, and I'm, I'm super grateful for that and for being so good to our family through the years. And for my son, Brad, <laughs> um, our friendship, the phone calls to help him learn how to use a Phillips screwdriver, <laughs> to know the difference between a Phillips and a flathead. I feel like I've, feel like I've poured into his life in so many ways. <laughs> I'm still trying to help him and lead him to potty train his dog, but I think it's, it's a lost cause. When you change your dog's names to Duker's Poopers, I think you're just, you've basically just given up. And just allowing him to use the house at his free will. Um, but it is, it, it's, it's been great. It's, um, I had someone say last week, how do you leave somewhere when everything's going so good? Most people leave when, when things are bad. But you're leaving when everything is great. And... Um, I, I'm proud of that, that we're not leaving because we don't like Brad. <laughs> but we're leaving because God has called us. And to, to step through that door that God has opened is, is what I'm, I'm so proud of and so thankful for. And to have a wife that is uh, stand by me and, and support me and I support her. And um, it's, it's been great. And I just want to thank the, the the creative team and I feel like I'm at the Oscars right now just thanking everybody <laughs> I combat humor with with tears so I have to do that to stop from crying but the creative team that that has been so much a part of my life over these past years and um, even people that are here this morning that were with us with me 14 years ago and I'm, I'm so thankful for everyone and the part that they've played uh, in Creekwood and, and what this church is. Um, but I want to I talk to you tonight, and uh, I feel like if I have tissue on my face, let me know. Um, I feel like God has is, is, is given me something to share with you, to challenge you with. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Stephen texted me at, at like 3.30 in the morning because that's when he gets up and said, do you want to speak on your last Sunday? And I simply responded, no. Like, no. 
And I texted him, I said, you do what you do, and I'll do what I do, and we'll just have a great last week, you know? And um, that was it. And um, three o'clock that afternoon, he calls me, and he said, hey, I, I really feel like you should, you should share on your last Sunday. And I said, I said, okay, I will. You know, I just, I felt like God had, had given me something in that time, or Maybe I just hadn't woke up fully when I said no, but I felt like God had given me a word to, to share with you guys, and I want to I want to share that with you today, and to challenge you, and I because I I know that there's there's people that are in this room today that that God has put a calling on your life, and for for every person in here that call looks different. For some of you, it's a, a, simply a call to salvation. For some of you, it's a call to missions. So for some of you, it's a call to lead a life group. For some of you, it's a call to serve. But I believe God has, has a calling on each one of us. He calls us to do something. And I want to I share with you my life and what God has done in my life and challenge you to respond to whatever God is calling you to do. And when I was eight years old was the first time that the call of God affected my life. You're like, okay, here we go with the guy saying he was called when he was eight. No, my dad was called, and I was just part of that family that got called. I was eight years old. My sister was four years old, and God called my parents to, to move to Nepal. My parents, my dad was a dentist. He sold his practice, sold everything we had, and we moved overseas. So at, at eight years old, I'm beginning to see the faithfulness of God and what answering the call looked like in my family's life at a, at a young age and being rewarded with such an amazing life, an amazing upbringing. And I remember landing in, in Kathmandu and um, we lived in this massive three-story house and, and I went outside and just trying to, you know, hang out with the kids in the neighborhood that didn't speak English and I didn't speak Nepali at, at the time. And they said, the one guy says, football, football. And I was like, I do, I do have a football so I run upstairs and get my American football. And they're like so excited because nobody, you know, in our neighborhood could afford a ball. And so they were so excited that this white kid had a football. But they were then so disappointed when I came out and it was this oblong thing that did not bounce like a soccer ball. Because <laughs> that's what they were wanting. They were wanting a football, a soccer ball. But that was eight years old. And I feel like the, the next time that that the, really the call of God affected my life and my family's life was in when 2001, Rochelle and I were, were living in Houston at the time, had a great job. My wife stayed at home, was raising our kids, cooking, cleaning house, and the kids don't remember that, but she was a great cook. <laughs> See that word there, was? But she's making a comeback. She is making a comeback. Um, but we sold everything in 2001, and I was working with Stephen in the youth group, leading worship at our church in Houston, and, and people just did not understand that. Why, why, why leave this? Like, you've got young kids, you've, you know, I'm like, God's called us. God's called us. And I've, I feel like I have to answer that call when God calls me. So we did. We sold it, and we moved. And when we left, Stephen and I always talked about, about starting a church together one day that one day we would do it somewhere, somehow. And supposedly he has a letter. I don't know. He always talks about the letter. I don't, I don't, okay, I did. I don't. 
he supposedly I have a letter saying, I sent him a letter saying, we'll start a church together one day. So three years later, God calls us again, leave the country you love, leave the country you grew up in, leave the food you love, and come back to Texas. It was hard for us. I grew up in Asia. That was home for me. Rochelle grew up in Asia. It was home for her. And as kids growing up and then be able to go back as a couple and experience that life together, to go to places together that we had both been separately as kids was so amazing and such a, such a blessing. And we feel like such a reward that God gave us. But then called back to come back to the States and felt like that's what God wants us to do. So we answered that call again and, and moved back to Mansfield. Or not back to Mansfield, because we, we didn't even know where Mansfield was. We, we moved from Houston, then we're moving back to Mansfield. We didn't even know where Mansfield was. They, they threw us a, like a little goodbye party at, at the school when we left, and the only picture they could find of Mansfield was Joe Pool Lake. I'm like, oh, sweet, we're going to like a lake community. No, it's just the only thing that's all there was in Mansfield at the time was just Joe Pool Lake and a bunch of houses. When we moved here, I was, we drove around, I was like, like, this is weird. There's just houses. There's no stores. There's nothing. Like, this is, it's, I mean, the town would literally, like, we drove through the country club, and it was eerie because there was just nothing going on. It was just homes. It was just, it was weird. I was like, what do these people do? Like, this is super weird. There was nothing. There was nowhere to eat. Like, when we were at Worley after church on Sunday, if you wanted to go eat somewhere nice, you had to drive into Arlington because there was just nothing in Mansfield unless it was, like, the, the first best place came was Charlie's. And, like, we would go to Charlie's. It's not even open anymore. But it was the best hamburger you could get, you know, for the time. But we, we moved back to Mansfield to, to start Creekwood Church. And I'm telling you, that don't think that that's an easy thing. Like, starting a church is not an easy thing. Sorry, Ben. Starting a church is not an easy thing, right? It, it's hard. Don't look at this and go, oh, that was easy. They just knocked that out. It's, it's hard. I mean, we moved back. We had so many decisions to make. We had never done this before. So we thought, well, First thing we need to do is we need to get like a staff picture, and we're staff. So we cleaned out our coin, our coin holders and dug in the couch and got enough change together, and we drove down to Target in Arlington. There's no Target here. We drove down to Target, and we took a staff picture because that's what, that's what you did. You took a staff picture, and that's our first staff picture. <laughs> that's sad. Like, that's sad. <laughs> I'm like, who is going to come to a church with these three goobers? I mean, I mean, Stephen said, you know, Brad's going to move back with us. I'm like, can the kid even drive? How old is he? I was like, no, that, this is, no, don't, don't ever show that, and that thing on my face, I don't know, I don't know if they photoshopped that in, because that was not a good look. Man, but, but the early days were tough. When we moved back here, I was, I was 39 years old, so I was kind of at my prime, you know. And, but, man, the, the, the load and the work of planting a church and loading and unloading, is, is, it takes a toll on the body, as you can see. Because this is what I look like when we moved back. <laughs> and now I'm 52, and that's just gone. But then you got people like Brad, who was, who was 16 when he moved here. <laughs> you know, Tybo was the thing back then, and Brad was all about Tybo. Tried out for the Cowboys, thought he could maybe make a little extra income for the church. He probably could make the team now. But, so that's me and Brad, and there's, you know, then there's Steven, which... Um, 
I feel like there's something that I, I need to tell you guys. And I feel like since this is my last Sunday and I'll probably never be asked to speak again, I feel like this would be a good time to, to reveal some truth about who Stephen really is. And I think when you, when you hide secrets and when you keep things that, you know, from people, I think that's what, like, that eats away at your body and just makes you frail. And I just, I just want to expose this right now. And, and I know for some of you this is going to be hard to see and, and hard to forget. But I just want to just show you what Pastor Stephen is really all about. Let's pray. If you, uh, if you would like to have this picture to save on your phone for Pastor Stephen Contact, if you'll Facebook message you, I will send you that picture. No, I really will. I really will. <laughs> Seriously, though, those early years, um, I mean, we went down to the Guitar Center and bought our first sound system on Pastor Stephen's credit card. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, ba- it was bare bones. It's what we had to do, you know. And if you could play an instrument or you could sing, you were on the worship team. You, I mean, there was a time we had a horn section. Yeah, sure, yeah, come on, bring your trombone, we'll, we'll go. You can, play, you can play trombone on the worship We had a trombone and a, tr- and a trumpet. And if you're here and that was you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was it was rough those early days, but it was what God called us to do. And and we felt like that, that God had put us here for a reason. And now fourteen years later, this is what God has done. Not not what we've done. You saw that picture of the three of us. We could have not have done this. But God leading us, God directing us has made this church what it is today. And I, I'm so thankful to, to be a part of it and so, so excited for what the future is for Creekwood Church and where this, this church is going to go and the things that are, that are coming down the pipe. I'm so excited for y'all and what God is going to do. I, I've told people I can't wait to, because we come back every two years and for the summer, and I'm so excited to come back in two years and see what God is doing here because I know God has, has crazy things for this church. All right. Now it's time to get to the notes. You know, sometimes when, when God announces change in our life, it, it's not immediate. Sometimes when God calls us, it's not immediate. Like, it doesn't happen right away. You know, Rochelle and I have, have felt this tug to go back to Malaysia for, for a few years now. And God, God stirs that in your heart. God puts that hunger in your heart from time to time. To, to do something when, he, when he's preparing you to call you. And we've had that, that hunger for a couple years now to, to see what God possibly had for us back in Asia. And, and God has opened that door for us. You know, someone said, how do you know, Keith? Like, how do you know this is what, what God is calling you to do? I said, for me, what it looks like is a door that's been opened. And God's saying, will you step through it? That's, that's how God calls me. 
He opens a door and he says, Keith, will you, will you step through that door? Now, sometimes when, when God opens a door for us, he doesn't, he doesn't allow us to step through it immediately. Sometimes that door is open, but he's, he still has things to teach us. There's still things we have to learn before we're allowed and before he calls us to go ahead and step through that door. But he starts to prepare your heart for that door when you see it open. You know, there's things that, that you learn during that time, too, that, that, that when, you're, when you're waiting on that call, that God's teaching you things. I think about David and what a man of God he was and how God called him. I want to read a scripture to you that I forgot to read to you earlier, but I want to read it now because I want you to hear it. It's in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And I feel like so many times we, we hang on to our lives. But, but God has called us to let go and gain it. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes, but that's what he's called us to do, is to surrender to him. You remember a few weeks back, Pastor Stephen talked about, about David and, and how he was the shepherd and, and Samuel had come to, to crown a new king, to anoint a new king. And he called all of Jesse's boys in, and he went in, and there were some fine specimens. But Samuel got through, and he's like, no, he's not here. Do you have another? And they were like, yeah, there's a Davy out in the field. Bring him in. David comes in, and Samuel anoints him as the next king. You're going to be the next king, son. Can you imagine how that affected David? Like what was going through, I, I, was, I, was, I was sitting there this morning going over these notes and I was just trying to figure out what, what kind of kid was David? Like what was going through his head at that time when, when Samuel is anointing him as the next king in front of his brothers? Was he like a little goober that just was like, yeah, whatever? Or was he a kid that was like super prideful and just was like, did he get hung up on that? Well, I, th- I think it, explains to us that, that after he was anointed, what did he do? Did he go and start trying on crowns and getting fitted for a robe because he was going to be the next king? No. He went back to the field and went back to work. He was anointed the next king, but he went back out to the field to watch the sheep. That's crazy. Like, what humility to be like, hey, I know I'm the next king, but I got, I got to go watch the sheep. I don't know that I could have done that. I'd have been like, oh, I'm the next king, y'all. <laughs> you know? I don't know if I go watch the sheep. Who's next? <laughs> you know? But David didn't because he knew he still had to, he had something else to do. He had something that he had to prepare to do, and I believe part of that preparation was going out there to learn how to use that sling. Because he had something else in his life that was coming. You know, later on in the story, David's brothers are all out in battle. And you know the story of Goliath. And his brothers are all out on the battlefield. And his dad calls David in. He said, I want you to take some food to your brothers out on the battlefield. Again, I would be like, uh, future king. 
not a delivery boy, you know? I, think, I feel like that's how I would have been. No, I wouldn't have done that. I would have I served them. But you know what? Sometimes when God calls us, when he opens a door for us, there's a time where we have to serve. And that, sometimes that can be so hard as you feel like you've got this great calling, but God's called you to, I remember the day in youth group, we were in this side room and youth group was over and I was stacking chairs and I was so angry because all the kids were playing and goofing around and I'm working and stacking chairs. And you know what Stephen told me? He said, God didn't call them, he called you. That's been close to 20 years ago that he said that to me. But it still, it still hits me every time. What did God, I didn't call them, Keith. God called you. Don't look around at the people around you and say, well, what about them? Maybe God didn't call them to do that. Maybe he called you to do that. So David's out. His dad's called him in to to take food to his brothers, and he, he, he agrees. This is what it says in, in 1 Samuel 17, 20. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed him. You know, sometimes we don't understand what God is doing when he tells us to serve, but we have to trust him and know that he has a purpose in what he's doing and what he's telling us to do. That's the door that I'm talking about that God opens in your life. Though you may not understand why, step through it and answer the call. And you know, when David, when David got there and he was, he was serving his, his brothers, had brought them lunch, and David had, had made his way down to the battlefield, and he was talking to, to some of the soldiers down there. And this is what it, he says what happened in, in 1 Samuel 17, 28. When his brother, David... David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? His brother burned with anger at him. If someone's burning with anger at you, they're ticked. Like they're mad. That's not just, hey, stop talking to those guys. You're bothering him. His brother was burning with anger at him. Now, I believe it to this point, David did not know that he was about to slay the giant Goliath. He's still down there just doing what his father had asked him to do, to serve. And now he's, he's, he's talking to some of the other soldiers, and his brother is burning with anger at him. I mean, the little brother could have just been like, fine, I'll leave. I'll go back to the sheep. But God had called him. God had called him. God had a plan for his life. And no matter if his brother was burning with anger at him, he was going to stay the course. You know, sometimes when God calls you to do something, there's going to be people that don't like it. There's going to be people that don't understand. There may be people that burn with anger at you. But you have to stay focused and keep your eye on what God has called you to do. Aaron, go ahead and come on up. 
Do you know that the enemy does not want you to answer God's call? He will do anything to distract you, to keep you from walking through the door that God has opened for you, to keep you from the calling that God has on your life. Can I tell you that there's nothing more rewarding than being in the center of God's will, answering the call. And anything that happens in your life to this point, the good, the bad, are all leading you and preparing you for what God has for you. All the struggles, all the heartache, all the disappointment, all the letdowns has made you who you are in preparation for the calling. And I go back to my original scripture. If I tell you to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If, I try to ha- if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I want you to all stand with me. I'm going to read something over you this morning as I close, and then we're going to, we're going to sing a song at the end of this service that talks about the promises of God. And answering the call of God in your life is made easier because we know that we serve a God that is faithful, that is, that is good on his promises. And he says that he will be with us to the end. That's what, making, what makes this, this move easier for us because we know and we've seen God be faithful to us time and time again. I want to read this over you this morning, pray this over you this, this morning. If you would, if you would just bow your, bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want you to receive this this morning as I read it. Whether you recognize it or not, the seeds to your glorious future have already been sown. Your various life experiences, relationships, even your mistakes have all contributed to fertilize those seeds of purpose. God's route to your glorious future relies on his unique sense of direction, not the logical, straightforward route you might envision. The doorway to your glorious future is likely opened already, waiting for you to step up and walk through. If you're frustrated by unrealized dreams and ongoing disappointments, ask God to show you today's one step, the one priority to keep you moving forward. Always believe the best for your future. If you view your future through regret, the past, disappointments or hurt, then you will lose sight of God's goodness. All you have to do is live long enough and you will realize that life can be painful. But no matter what you're facing or what's going on around you, you must believe the best for your future in Jesus' name. God has given you his word on your future. It says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. If you believe God is who he says he is, then you must also know that through it all, a glorious future that will surprise you and your deepest longings await you. A future that will reflect God's goodness, power, his glory, and grace. Stay on this path, my friend. Follow Jesus, and God will crown you with his goodness. You have an amazing inheritance in Jesus' name, a mountain to summit, a path to pioneer. You have a faith lane that is all on your own, a grace zone that is waiting for you to occupy. The difficult path and shame of your past is no match for his name, 
for his holy power and his healing power. Your unique gifts are tailored perfectly to work out his purpose in this generation. And your wide open, spacious, God-ordained life is waiting for you to jump right in. Live, love, and lead like Jesus. And your life on earth and in heaven will reflect the ongoing glory of God in all things. There is no doubt that your best is yet to come. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.